I will say this. I'm, I'm not going to opine about anything that might come in front of me, but what, what you will, if you're a litigant of any faith or no faith, if you're a litigant of any political persuasion, what, what I hope is that folks know when they come in front of me, what you have, you have a book nerd up there that's going to research that law and the precedent and is going to apply the facts to the law fairly, consistently, regardless of the person in front of me. I've, I've based my campaign on. It's to, it's to make sure that folks know that this guy is somebody who, who, you can, who you can trust, who's been proven, who's been tested. You know, there's a reason that the Bar Association ranked me as one of the top judges in the community. And believe me, there are just as many Democrats as Republicans and as lawyers in our community. And it's because I, th- I think that they feel like I'm somebody with the temperament and with the work ethic and with the kind of judicial philosophy that regardless of the case or litigant, they know they're going to get a fair shot. What would you say you do here? Let me take a wild guess. It's another podcast. I like his style. It's a sort of casual elegance. Is this the best show ever? Is this cool or not? I can't tell. Probably not, but it's a production of Stone on Air, and it starts right now. This is the greatest show. And welcome in to the very first best show ever. It is a subsidy of the Stone on Air podcast. My name is Brian Stone, and let's waste absolutely no time. Today, my guest is... General Sessions Court Judge Alex McVeigh, and he is running for Circuit Court. Early voting ends February 27th, and the primary election day is on March 5th, which is also nationally Super Tuesday. We go nearly 90 minutes. Let's get to it. With me today, uh, General Sessions Court Judge Alex McVeigh. Thanks for being here, man. I really appreciate you having me. So, um, Alex, we'll start not at the beginning, which is usually the good place to start. We'll start more a, a little bit current. I met you not long ago at, with Real Estate Partners Gathering, but what blew me away was the uh, 800 million cases you've, uh, <laughs> or I mean 80,000 <laughs> cases. You've been in this role in General Sessions for... Almost seven years now. I was about to say about 17, yep. 2017. Yep. You were a young man. I, I think at the time I was the, the youngest judge in Tennessee, if not uh, the country. Uh, and, and I still think I'm, I'm not the youngest any longer, but I think I, I am still one of them. I'm, uh, I will be turning 38 uh, you know, during this election. So, okay, that, that leads where I was going because I started to do the math. And I was, uh, I thought you were 36. So I was off by a year. Either way, I was like, he must have been 29 or 30. <laughs> Are you allowed to be a judge at that age? And then not, not at 29. So the Constitution, and, and you have to be at least 30 to be a judge. And so when I was interviewing with Governor Haslam's office and Governor Haslam, I was, I was 30, but I was ultimately appointed at 31. And, and that's how you got that position, was it was it, uh, appointed by the then Governor uh, uh, Haslam. So I was appointed in 2017 as, as a kind of a special judge. Uh, judge David Bales uh, stepped uh, off the bench to, to receive chemo and, and radiation treatment on his throat, throat cancer. And, and ultimately, he actually is, is in remission uh, today, but ultimately he could never come back to the bench in light of that. Um, of that treatment. So I was appointed as a special judge and then ran for election with all the judges in the state about a year and a half ago. Uh, and so was was victorious. And so I, I, I was able to um, to serve six years and then win another term for another eight. So another eight that you are now just a year or two in. Exactly. Um, when I think of judges, I think of television, right? I think of film. I think of old crotchety men. <laughs> 
Um, how long did you practice law before you took this position? Yeah, so right out of right out of school? No, I mean, I, I originally started at at Chambliss Law Firm here in 2012. Moved out here 2013, and so about four or five years before uh, the governor came calling it. And and really, I was supposed to be a a, a temporary judge uh, at at first. Um, and if you think about it, at the time, a lot of your your typical judges, older partners at firms, municipal judges. A lot of folks weren't actually overly interested in a temporary, what could have been a month appointment. And, and so what that left was, you know, the governor needed somebody who he knew can go in, kind of clear up a backlog of a docket. Then I had every intention after a couple months to going back to my firm. At the time, Chambliss, you know, they got a lot of good free publicity. They figured he'd be out, you know, doing this for a couple months and I'd be back uh, billing hours a couple months later. Okay. Um, but ultimately, Judge Bales just never came back. And so months uh, you know, extend it to years. And, and then eventually it became clear that, you know, whereas I never, not only did I never know a judge growing up, I never knew a lawyer. So, so I, I never knew I'd be a lawyer, but certainly never a judge. And so what ultimately, you know, that kind of life happens uh, that way and you're, you're presented with opportunities. And so I decided this was going to be my, my career path to kind of run with it. So when you sat down with, with Bill Haslam, those many years ago, I mean, this was a, you were thinking a month. Yeah, a couple, couple six months. Six months. Yeah, to top. Six months tops. It's crazy how life goes sometimes. Oh, yeah. Did you feel any pushback in the industry for being oh. so young? I, uh, as you can imagine, uh, my first couple days at the courthouse, and, and particularly at Chambliss, you know, I, I practiced in state and federal courts across the country, but I was mainly a civil litigator. So representing large companies, individuals in, in business lawsuits, uh, divorces, businesses suing businesses, people suing people that never really on the criminal side, except for some federal criminal work, some, some yeah. white collar work. And, uh, and again, so, so going into that that misdemeanor criminal courthouse, as you can you can imagine, uh, treated a little bit like I had leprosy at first. I mean, we folks were, you know, who on earth is this guy? You know, I mean, <laughs> that's, that, that's every industry oh, yeah. that you're going to find. If if a young dude comes in and grabs any position that that feels like longevity or seniority yeah. might, and and that's all I believe very wrong in most industry mm-hmm. that longevity and seniority doesn't guarantee you anything but but it doesn't take away from the fact that you're gonna have to deal with that i would guess after many years of doing it now Hopefully some of that's uh, dissipated. I, I, I would hope so. No, and, and, and honestly, the, you know, I'd eat cracks. I'm sure folks figured my dad was golfing buddies with the governor or, so, or some reason. But, but, but that, that wasn't the reason. You know, one, I, I think I had a lot of good folks at Chambliss that, that vouched for me. Uh, but then also I had worked at the legislature uh, and actually worked with a lot of staff members uh, prior to moving out here to Chattanooga. So, so the governor and his staff kind of knew me. They knew my work product. They knew uh, how hard I would work. And so, but, but you know, I, I had to prove myself. I had to be the first one there, the last one to leave at that courthouse. I had to really earn the respect of the lawyers and the litigants that practiced there. And so I, and I was pretty honored and humbled that, that a year ago, you know, every eight years, the lawyers of Chattanooga and Hamilton County rate all of your judges in this community from circuit court, chancery court, sessions, every, every, every court. And they rated me at the top of the list. So, so again, I, I, I certainly don't think I, you know, am any better of a judge than any of my colleagues, but, but, but I think it, it at least showed that that they appreciated the hard work and my work ethic and, and kind of work product on the bench. Did you have aspirations getting into this field of being a judge? Ne- never, <laughs> really. I mean, I, and, and really never even, you know, I, I never knew I wanted to be a lawyer until I worked as the research analyst for the Senate Judiciary Committee in Nashville. 
And I was that guy, you know, you see on TV those those giant pieces of legislation in Congress that our congressman may or may not read fully. May <laughs> they, or may uh, not is but, a word. Yeah, go but ahead. I but I was the guy, you know, at least on the state level in Nashville that was in charge of of digesting those bills. Um, you know, meeting with lobbyists, with the senators on that committee. Senator May Beavers was the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee at the time, but I really worked for all of the committee members. And I, and I was responsible for, um, you know, helping amend certain, you know, pieces of legislation and, and getting all the senators up to speed so they could intelligently vote. And so, you know, I was, at that time, seems like a little bit of a, a theme in my career. I was the youngest research analyst. I was, you know, the only one that wasn't a lawyer. And I was the, anal- the head analyst for the Senate Judiciary Committee. So every law that affects every criminal civil law in our community, every adoption law, every bail uh, requirement for DUI offenders. I mean, I was the one that was the largest committee in the in the state legislature. And so, and so ver- your job there is to what? Oh, j- the, almost like a copywriter so, in so a I'm sense? The, I'm, I'm like the head law clerk. You know, I'm the head person that, that's, I'm the um, the person that's or meeting. Editor, editor, I guess, was maybe Wara was looking at. Like, where you have to, here's what we're doing Make sure we didn't mess it up. Is, so, that, is that fair? So, well, more, I wasn't a, a legislative attorney, so I didn't draft the bills. But when bills were ultimately drafted and they got to the committee, you know, before they're voted on on the Senate floor, they go through the Senate committees. You know, that they deal with, you know, financial issues, they go to the Finance Committee. If they deal with, yeah. you know, government op- So, anything that affected the judiciary, any criminal or civil law, you know, every time somebody tinkers with, you know, mandatory sentencing, every time somebody, you know, that bill would come through that committee. And I was, I would sit up there literally next to the chairman and help her, you know, obviously run that committee. But, but really, I was also summarizing those bills. I was also helping folks when they had amendments to the bills. I kind of was, was that person that was responsible for helping make the sausage. And so I, I quickly realized, I mean, I was helping make the law. I needed to understand about the law a little bit more. And so that's what made me understand, realize that I needed to go to law school. And, it, and for the first time, I was you know, kind of passionate about that. I knew this was an area. Certainly didn't think I would be involved in politics. Don't love politics, but I, but I knew I loved the law and I love how laws were, were made. Now I wanted to learn a little bit more how to apply those laws. And that's what I, I thought lawyers did. Well, we're going to get into the political nature of this uh, here, here shortly. So I, I was about to ask, you kind of answered it, that it you went to, to get the education because it started to build as a as a passion project, not just as like this prerequisite that you needed to continue. It was or or it was both probably. No, yeah, no, exactly. I I knew I became very interested in it. Uh, I, I knew I was getting experiences in that position that most folks didn't. Because that's not age. just like going to get an ASE certified to be no, the no, head uh, mechanic, right? No, I mean, b- like, believe me, it. Uh, you know, having two degrees from Vanderbilt, I can show you my my student loan record. So no, it wasn't an easy decision. It was. Yeah. Uh, it was a. Uh, it, it it you know it took a you know I really had to know this is what I wanted uh, in my career and so but yeah so so ultimately when I was even at Vanderbilt for law school I, I continued to work for the legislature I, I continued to work for Senator Beavers and and. And it was just just a great experience being able to not only you know learn how to to practically apply the law and implement it and defend it in, in law school, but also to actually have real life firsthand experience on how laws were actually made. It, it's been helpful to me now as a judge. Uh, oftentimes, you know, the the intent of a law isn't necessarily understood at the time it's being debated and and 
either in Congress or in the state level. The and the unintended consequences, potentially. Exactly. And so I've actually, as a judge, the General Sessions judges in this state have actually asked me to to be on the committee whenever there's a, a law that affects the judiciary or that affects our job. I'm actually on the General Sessions Judges Executive Committee, and I'll go down. I was down at the legislature for the special session a couple months ago dealing with, with mental health and, and, and gun violence, and I actually went down on behalf of the conference in case anyone had a question about how the laws that they were uh, attempting to, to debate and tinker with would affect uh, individuals in the courts in, in real time. And so again, I, I think my colleagues in the judiciary look to me because they know I I have that experience helping to draft those bills that we have to interpret. So do you do you think that this this was just getting like up the pipeline in Nashville uh, at Capitol Hill of Nashville to to the governor that, hey, this guy really, you know, has been at grinding it out. Throw away the age for a minute. Yeah, Yeah, I mean. Yeah, no, Surely I, I that think, has something to do with it. No, I, I think a lot of his. Like I said your members, dad didn't play golf with no, Bill. No, he didn't. No, uh, I'm from Louisiana, so well, I want to so get no to that. I want to get to that in a um, second. Yeah, but but no, I uh, and again, I I would work. You know, with when Governor Haslam had uh, pieces of legislation that the governor and the administration would propose, I would be working with his staff and his legislative liaisons and, and his legal counsel to help help implement and, and and pass the bills that he wanted to pass. So so they knew me, and, and Senator Bo Watson knew knew me. I worked, uh, you know, with him and Bowtie Bo uh, Watson, Bowtie Bo Watson, Senator Watson. There were some other representatives. You know, Mark Gravitt at the time. I, I you know uh, got to work. Uh, with him, got to work with uh, even uh, Senator Gardenhire right right before I left, and so so again, folks kind of knew me. And then when I moved out here, got the opportunity to work with some of the the legends of of Chattanooga's uh, you know legal industry, people like Chief Justice Mickey Barker, Max Bonner, some of the the you know the the really the the Mount Rushmore of lawyers in Chattanooga. I got to work next to, and so it didn't hurt when the governor was doing his due diligence that a lot of these individuals vouched for me as far as my what they believe my judicial temperament and work ethic would be, as well as the folks I worked with. I mean, Nashville. it's it's a hell of a success story, if nothing else. I mean, uh, if, if, it, if it doesn't take you further into your career as you get older, which I likely think that it will, just to this point, it's, it's a pretty nice uh, success story. Quick question, sure. and some of these will be dumb, and some of this is, uh, if you're familiar with the Reddit terminology, talk to me like I'm five. <laughs> um Sometimes I joke because I I have a healthy distrust for the judicial system, and I'm talking more from a federal level, but not really, (laughs) not really. And, And a lot of that has been probably unfair. And so sometimes I joke because I, we, the way we treat judges, this, the robes for crying out loud, you know, like, I, I mean, you, you talk about, when we might get into this about, you know, maybe modernizing the modernizing the courts. And I look at it and I see 1796, you know, yeah. with just short, put the powdered wig on and with the, with the robe, uh-huh. you know, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm trying to make light of something that's, you know, mostly pretty serious and the honorable all rise. And I'm like, you know, this is just some guy, man. Like what makes, what makes this person so prestigious other than tradition, Mm -hmm. institutionalized tradition, which there's nothing wrong with that. And so I would joke, I think some of these people, and I honestly don't know the the answer if this is true, but most people listening didn't either, so it might have fallen as a good joke. A a judge is a a lawyer for one day longer than the lawyer was, right? Like you're all practicing the same thing. Mm -hmm. 
you're just arguing it in or or debating it, whichever terminology you want to use, de- depending on what style court it is, mm-hmm. with the judge who, to me, is one rung step below the people that are presenting these arguments. Yeah. Is I, first of all, is that fair? And once you take that one step to be that judge, what makes you so damn honorable that, <laughs> what, that we have to take our hat off and, and put it over our heart and uh, recite the pledge? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I, I, I'll kind of work back on my answer to that question. One is, and I know we'll talk a little bit, I hope we'll talk a little bit about drug recovery we will. later, um, but, but I'll use that as an example. I, I um, Part of the drug recovery court model is to be less formal. It, it's a team. It's a non-adversarial kind of team model. And so early on, I, I remember going to you know national trainings where we're highly, highly trained trained uh, for this particular sort of very different and specialized court. And I remember um, asking my coordinator, I think at the time was Dr. Elaine Kelly, or it may have, might have been of our current coordinator, Shannon Morgan, about the possibility of, um, of not wearing a robe, like come and actually, you know, we're already trying to be less formal. Let me come sit down with the participants, actually, you know, step off of the bench, be even closer to them. It's the whole, the whole point of recovery courts, building that trust. And, and actually the, the, I was somewhat shocked to know that a lot of the research uh, shows that the, the model that it's, it's, it's not me as a person, but it's me with that robe up there. It's kind of that carrot and the stick model when you're trying to change some criminal and addictive thinking from somebody who's maybe first uh, substance use was in their early teens, you know, so mm-hmm. you know, severe brain uh, non-development or develop, developing uh, with the use of substances. It's the structure in that authority figure that actually is pretty important. The research okay. shows for drug recovery court is that they want you up there in the rope because what, what I didn't realize, because I'm kind of like you, you know, especially as the young judge, I'm like, you know, who's this guy, you know, who, you know, or, or this gal. I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't think that highly of myself. So certainly I, I, I would agree with you, but, but the participants do. And for somebody that's never had so much as a father figure, anybody tell them they're proud of them in their life, the guy with the robe, in the powdered wig, them telling that individual, I'm proud of you for getting that promotion, for being 30 days sober, that carries weight that I never knew that it, it would. Okay. And, and, right. and, and so it's something about not only the, the praise and the incentives that we give, but, but also obviously the sanctions. They have somebody that they feel they're letting down. And, and again, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, I, I don't uh, you know, think they should think of me that, that way, but they do. And so with that kind of comes a responsibility and, and kind of backtracking on your question. So your job does change the day you step on the bench. So no longer you're, you're supposed to, uh, I'm not, I'm not saying there aren't folks that, that, she, that across the country in the yeah. state that, that do this, this is but, what but I'm you, talking about, but, 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 yes. but your job is supposed to change. It's no longer any of your preconceived, you know, your advocacy hat that you wore you know, representing certain family members, certain businesses, certain plaintiffs versus def- defense-minded, all the, that those advocacy points that, that you brought into that job, as soon as you put that robe on, those are supposed to go away. You are supposed to be up there as the referee calling balls and strikes. And, you know, I think uh, Matt Brock actually used this uh, example, and it's the first time I heard him say at that at an event we, uh, I think you were at, and is that, you know, your, your refs in the football game, you don't, you don't want the refs affecting the game. You, you, you mm-hmm. want them, you want them uh, being in the background, applying the law, letting folks, letting the, the truth come to the surface. And so, so, so really that only can happen when a judge leaves his or her, you know, quote unquote, some of their personal beliefs and politics and, and the things that they 
you know, might have fought for as a, um, a politician or a lawyer, when they take the bench, you, you, are, you are to apply the facts, to listen to the facts in front of you, apply the law as it's argued. You research the most current state of that law, the current precedent. You apply uh, the, the, you know, the law, that the, even if you disagree with a lot of the laws the legislature might pass, you apply them unless, they've been, unless they're unconstitutional. And, and all of a sudden, that job is different. Believe me, I have many thoughts on laws that, that I have to implement or uphold, and particularly in, on the criminal side, but even the civil side. But, but again, that's, that's no longer my job. And, and so it, it is a very, very large responsibility. And, but, but, but again, I think that's part of the, as corny as it is, the reason that, that you're wearing that robe is not only to remind the folks in front of you, but really to remind me. Every day when I step that on that bench, this is very important. This is this is beyond very important, and I might have two hundred DUI pleas that I do in one given day, but to that individual that's in front of me, this is the most important day of their life. Yeah. To the victim, the the, the father who just lost uh, his daughter to a horrible uh, homicide or accident, that's the most important day to that that victim and their family. Sure. And so I think that I think the robe and some of the formalities reminds are supposed to remind judges of that fact. And see, when I when I ask questions like that and I talk about about these things flippantly in my regular life or on the show or on the weekly stone on air podcast or whatever it is i'm not thinking about that i'm thinking about it more from still a relatively young guy i'm i've got a couple years on you but not a whole lot and i'm also coming to you from a a guy who used to think breaking the law was fun all right i mean i'm not afraid to admit that out loud because anybody knows me knows true so if i said anything else they know i'd be lying I'm not that guy anymore, not to say that I haven't probably occasionally, uh, you know, crossed a line here and there. Now that I don't drink anymore, I don't, I've, I've driven drunk enough times, I should be in jail 150,000 times, right? So it, even when I'm in my adult age, I've still, I've, I've, I've broken laws plenty and I didn't do it for fun. And and some and and people get in positions that they didn't mean to get into, and all those things. So I don't mean to to to, to be flipping about it, but so I guess my main thought is is that lawyers and judges are not that much different. But what you're telling me is they very much are very very different because of what their motivation is on a daily basis. And and we had a judge around here. I don't know what. You, years he how long he's been gone judge williams are you familiar a, with walter williams, he, walter was, williams. He, he was a city court city court judge uh, man it was everybody it, it was like doomsday if you heard that you were gonna be in front of judge walter williams because i'm just gonna be just as as plain and simple as i can be the guy was a dick like he just it felt like he treated it felt like he treated people poorly i don't know that he did I never really had to deal with it because I I got away with most of my my young person things, but is is that part of it, right? Like, I mean, do you see colleagues? Do you wonder, like, chill out, bro? Well, well, you know, and again, <laughs> Sorry I, to put it so simplistically. It, since since I've been a a judge, obviously, judges don't really get to see what other judges do much because we're you know we're no longer in front of other judges, and so yeah. so we I, we do have conferences though most of the uh, the sessions judges and also the trial judges, so we get together often and, and learn and hear from speakers. But really, my experience with most judges went back to my my practice and at at, at Chambliss, and uh, certainly, I mean, you would you know certain judges had a certain uh, uh, demeanor, um, <laughs> had had a certain way that they carried themselves. I, I 
I won't uh, you know comment on judges uh, here here locally. No, and I'm not asking. Uh, but, you but, to. but 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 again, I think you know one thing I learned, and and um, you know, and, and this actually, you know, Judge Williams uh, presided over a lot of traffic citations. He was a city court judge. That's so right. Majority yeah. uh, were traffic citations and city ordinances. Make but sure I, your tie but, is straight, son. But I also uh, I also get to preside uh, over interstate tickets so 75 24 and 27 so any uh, any speeding infractions that happen on a on a on a state uh, highway or federal highway i i will see those um and not city court but particularly with with younger individuals again it's kind of that you know something i never knew before till a parent told me um i i will often uh, make sure particularly let's say a, a 17 year old is going 100 on 27 you know and i um, I will take the time to uh, to make sure folks understand the consequences of their actions. It's not just simply a speeding ticket, you know. Particularly the younger folks, I make sure to understand. You know, you, you could be charged with reckless driving if, if somebody if there's to be some terrible accident. You know, you go in twenty over the speed limit driving per se recklessly, you actually could be charged with some sort of reckless homicide if there's a death ultimately just by way of you driving in a, in this reckless manner. And so, I I will kind of lecture individuals particularly when they're younger and so that they are fully aware and I'll oftentimes put people on pretrial probation you know a young person I'll tell them all right you show me for the next six months you won't have so much as a stop sign ticket and I might be willing to dismiss your ticket and, and I was a, a parent reached out to me and said you wouldn't imagine you know how much I've already lectured my son or daughter I can't remember if it's a son or daughter at the time but when you told them that for the next six months, they they, they 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 didn't so much as as even bring their phone in the car, and so again, it, it's kind of you know you don't realize that the power of your words, and so and that might be where the robe and the presentation yeah. and the room and maybe even the intimidation of it actually works, and and I and I could I could totally see that because who's listening to their parents? But 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 I mean, again, when it comes down to it, I mean, I I just I, I feel like everyone, at least in my courtroom, I'm I'm no better than any, anyone that's in there and, and I need to I try to treat everybody with the same level of respect that I um, that, that everyone should be treated with I mean I don't get on top of people if they don't say your honor if they don't you know again I just I, I want folks I want to I understand the importance particularly if you've ever been in sessions court the hectic nature I mean you have 200 cases and you have folks talking over each other DAs and defense attorneys trying to negotiate deals me calling I mean it's a it's a zoo I want to be careful we don't go here uh, all all evening because I think we could and um, and and I, I don't want to do that I'd like to keep some of these I mean it's a new idea but you know hour ish is about where I want to be so let me instead of not starting at the beginning Let's now start at the beginning, All right. right here in the middle. You're not from around here. Uh, you got at least some Cajun uh, blood in you, if not at all flowing through your veins. Tell me uh, your just a quick upbringing coming from the, and what brought you from the bayou to the state of Tennessee, yep. and, and you know, and as quick as as you want to. Certainly, no. Um, originally, I was born in Lake Charles, Louisiana, but grew up in Lafayette, Louisiana. So that's kind of the Cajun capital. Um, it's it's where you think of your Cajun food, your boiled crawfish. It's, it's, we call it Lafayette here, <laughs> it, it, right? No, no, I, I've heard, I've it? heard it called lots of things up here, and, and I will say that the Lafayette, Georgia, does have a capital F. Uh, so maybe you stress the Lafayette, Lafette. I remember my for one of my jury trials, my, my last jury trials. Uh, here, a client was from Lafette, and I really did not know what word he was saying. I did, certainly didn't know it was spelled the same as my hometown. But Lafayette, Louisiana, is where I am from, and uh, 
and and originally came up to Tennessee to go uh, to, to to Vanderbilt for undergrad. I uh, thought I, w- I wanted to I was going to be in business. My my, um, my my dad was a small business owner. Did you start school in Louisiana? So L- Louisiana for for high school, uh, a small Episcopal school in the middle of actually an an, an abandoned uh, sugarcane plantation is where my school was. So, but I uh, came up to Vanderbilt to go to college and thought I was going to be in business. So studied economics and in two thousand eight wasn't the best time to to be in business. Uh, no, back, back wasn't then. the best so, time to do anything so that involves to, spending money. Yeah. So I had to had to shift and 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 I had growing up I had always admired I, I didn't love politics but I, I loved uh, and, and I respected one particular politician and, and and it was because of his service and because he was somebody I thought kind of did things that weren't always politically correct and that guy was uh, happened to be running for president at the time and it was his name was John McCain and I thought he was this was a war hero and that if you know I had a little bit of time while I was deciding what I was going to do uh, when I graduated and so um, I actually went up to Iowa and campaigned volunteer for John McCain. I was like, I, I want to help this, this war hero. I think at the time he was down in the polls, you know, Fred Thompson, Huckabee. Oh, Romney. he was, he was a comeback he, kid he that you're going to lose. And, uh, he was and a comeback kid. Sure enough, he, he did decently enough in Iowa and then one in New Hampshire and then, then came back. And so it was that experience that is actually campaign in the, the, the Tennessee Republican party. Again, I, I never knew, you know, I, I wouldn't consider myself political, you know, Republican, Democrat, any of that at the time I was just young, but, um, but, but I, you know, I had, um, you know, really appreciated his service. And so that's what kind of got me into, you know, college Republicans and then his campaign and the Republican Party. I was kind of the McCain liaison. Uh, quickly realized that I didn't love politics, loved government. I, I, I respected uh, his service. And so I, I went into um, more of the policy in the government. And that's what we were talking about earlier. I got the opportunity to work, to make laws, uh, and hopefully stay away from politics because I saw, um, you know, I saw how, how, uh, how politics, uh, sometimes didn't bring out the best in folks. So, so worked in government and then, um, and as I mentioned earlier, went to Vanderbilt uh, Law School. I came out to Chattanooga, worked here one summer in 2012, and then moved out here permanently in 2013. I decided Chattanooga's where was my home. I, I, I love the outdoors. Great place. Um, the Nashville, the 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 kind of construction boom, the traffic. I hate traffic. Chattanooga reminded me more of my hometown of Lafayette. Uh, similar size, similar people. I, I can't promote businesses as a judge, but I will say there's one business here that that does a pretty mean crawfish boil every weekend, and I'm looking forward to when that business uh, has some crawfish. I think it's this Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, there, there which be, by the time uh, you hear this would have been last Thursday, and I know exactly what you're talking about. So let's talk about the courts um, themselves. Um, so you're in general sessions now. You're making the move to circuit court. Uh, trying ba- to. <laughs> Trying to, excuse me, trying to, uh, running for. The uh, the early voting ends um, on February 27th. May 5th is the general election. That March is 5th. Uh, March, excuse me, March 5th. See, told you. I'll say things out of nowhere. Uh, March 5th. And you're, you're running for circuit court. I took the liberty of looking up the, which I always do, uh, the salaries of, of county and city employees. I always have a pretty good uh, handle on that just because. And... You're clearly not doing this for a big race because it's in the same ballpark. If you want to know those numbers, all you got to do is look them up. And so what is the motivation to make this move? I'm, I'm, I'm asking the question out of order. Why do you want to go from general 
to circuit court? Yep. Let's just make it a simple Certainly. question. Why Certainly. do you want to do that? No, in, in actuality, it, I don't want to say it's a pay cut, but I think state benefits might be more, more expensive than county benefits. Hamilton County has great benefits, so it actually might be a pay cut. But, uh, you know, really folks ask me that all the time. General Sessions Court really is a, a great job. A lot of folks think I'm crazy for doing this. I mean, what, why on earth would, you know, you, with General Sessions Court, you're, you're a, it's a high-volume court. You know, we, we're doing a lot. You might have 200 cases a, a day on your docket, so high, high volume. But, but, but there's not a lot of, you know, take-home work, not a lot of homework at night, so to speak. I mean, you don't have to, you're not required to, um, to write orders. You know, everything, it's not a court of record. It's kind of the wild, wild west. You make opinions from the, you know, your decisions from the bench. You don't have to really record them or, or, or give written reasons why. Everything you do, you get an automatic right to appeal. So, so again, the stakes are a little bit lower. So a lot of folks are like, that's the best job ever. You know, why on earth would you want to give that job up and move to a job where everything you do typically is on the record? Everything has to be be, you know, written opinions. It's it's being graded, so to speak, by the Court of Appeals and the Supreme Court. Um, is it, it more challenging? Is it, that it, part of it? it? It's hard to to, to describe challenging. I, I I will say General Sessions Court is challenging in other ways. I mean, emotion filled, the, the the sheer quantity volume. Sure, because normal people, and I'm you're normal, but I mean, in in life that's outside of this sometimes take jobs that might be somewhat unilaterally because it's more challenging. That doesn't make the job you were doing not any good. I get in this sense, you don't want to make it, you don't want to demean one and and praise the other. But But I I think for me though, to to your point, I do think for me at this point in my career, it'd be very easy to be really comfortable in general sessions court. And I don't want to do that. I want to push myself. I think, you know, not to have the, the, the baseball analogy, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a baseball you know, guy, I've, man. I've Bring been, it on. You know, I've, I've been playing for the lookouts here for seven years and I'm ready to, to, to give it a shot to make it up to the, the twins, you know? And, and so, so, so I guess, it, so there is a, there is a promotional, um, aspect to it. It's, it's a state level trial court judgeship. It, it's one that, so let's say in front of me, let's say you have a, uh, Currently in General Sessions Court, uh, I'm I'm in addition to the criminal side. I'm your I'm your Judge Judy. I'm your small claims court judge. You can bring any case to me where the value of that case is up to twenty five. That sounds like that could be awful. So 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 it is. Uh, so I, so let's say you 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 bring a construction dispute. You know somebody. Uh, I have a, a lot of swimming pool cases for some reason. I'll never dig my own swimming pool because I, I see those cases a lot. Or yeah. or a roofing issue. Yeah. You ultimately win or lose your case. You will appeal that case if you want to. To circuit court, so it is. It is the higher level state court that any. If you want to appeal any of the county general sessions court decisions, you appeal it to circuit court. So help me out here. So so general sessions is Hamilton County. Hamilton County. Every every county in the state has a general sessions court. So it's circuit a, court is. You can hear cases from all over the state. So circuit court is a state, but the circuit. So in like in in rural counties, you know the the. So these numbered is this circuit so, so court we're five the, or we're, whatever. We're the eleventh judicial district, but okay. because Hamilton County is so large, pretty much all the cases will be here. So so Hamilton County has its own circuit. Shelby County, Davidson, Knox, the, the but four the, biggest. But the, but the other counties are are compiled in circuits where that judge will go to multiple counties. But but because Hamilton County's caseload's so high in circuit court, we we you know I. I so you don't move, you don't, no. you don't, your lifestyle doesn't courthouse. change. Yeah, no, it'll be yeah. a different courthouse. The circuit courthouse is on right across from Universal Joint on Six and 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 Georgia. Uh, the historic courthouse, the circuit court, and I'm the 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 Sessions Court is at the criminal courthouse on Market and Six, and so it would be a change in courthouses. But 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 no, it it, it would be all of the the large disputes, so multi million dollar 
you know, um, uh, disputes, construct, commercial construction dis- disputes, uh, large, you know, uh, wrongful death actions, um, medical malpractice cases, you know, spinal surgeries gone wrong. I mean, these are, these are the complex, large, you know, a lot of money's on the line. You go to circuit court. You can't take those to Judge Judy court, to small claims court. Uh, so so they, they, they go to straight to circuit court. So again, I think my experience at, at Chambliss kind of you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't specialize. I wasn't just a divorce lawyer or just a bankruptcy lawyer or just a construction lawyer or just a labor and employment. I did a little bit of everything. That's, that's one of the, the perks of being at one, a, a large kind of prestigious firm with some great legal minds. You get to learn and, and my ADD kind of kicks in. I couldn't just do one thing. I, I like to do mm-hmm. everything, but I think that I experience that. has prepared me to be a judge in a court where you hear a little bit of everything. And, and so I think not only that experience, but then now being a, a judge of, of criminal and civil law, he, you know, I've personally now presided over hundreds of bench trials. These are the same sorts of construction disputes, trials that are going to be in circuit court. I've now had that experience in Sessions Court, and I have personally presided. We tried to, to do the math, the average, about 80,000 cases um, those cases range from judicial hospitalizations to car wrecks to homicides to tickets, but but that's it's a huge quantity. So you want to talk about, you know, I think there's a, a newspaper that quoted me as saying I have experience with steroids. What I meant was that was experience <laughs> on steroids. <laughs> that that was experience <laughs> on steroids of eighty thousand cases. And so let, so, so, so let me defend my guys. Um, that was uh, John Wilson's Chattanooga.com. and I saw that headline. Line, and I thought, who wrote this damn headline? And my first thought was, which I, this is a good transition. Uh, my first thought was, is that w- with your recovery court, which uh, I, I'll want you to expand on in, in a moment. But my first thought was, maybe he's admitting to steroid use and got too into it when he was young. And now he understands drug abuse better. Like that. I'm not kidding. That first popped into my head because I don't I never met you at that point. Chattanooga's not the highest of prestige of, uh, of of news reporting, but they they do a pretty they solid do great, job. They do some great court reporting. I, I use Chattanooga.com and no John Will I John Wilson. I use them as a source of information just about every single day. But that headline was awful. No, <laughs> I have experience in ster- on steroids. <laughs> And I get what the point is, but man, that no, was a it, it, poor no, choice. I, I, I will say they um, typically a, a lot of you know a lot of folks don't cover courts as much as they used to. It used to be that every news organization paper, oh, well, Times Free Press has cut their entire staff. Um, they, I used they, to they know. have a new they have a new courts reporter. Do they? Uh, she okay. just started uh, 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 Sophia, and, and I got to meet her. But 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 John I have, Wilson filled that. I have that. a piece from Sophia right here. Yes, they. Uh, but but the but the the Chattanooga filled that void and, and and has written a lot about cases that other folks haven't. So. Well, I, yeah. I wasn't criticizing. I, I just I, I say that. Um, but 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 I say the experience. The, the experience is just what I meant was it's just you know talk about a kind of an exponential growth in my knowledge of different areas of the law and in my practice and being a judge. They don't teach you how to be a judge in law school. They don't teach it to you at a large firm, and they don't teach it to you at a, obviously a solo firm. It, it's something that I think does come with. with you got to kind of figure and, it out. Yeah. So that does segue quickly. There's a handful of things I want to get to that are less fun to talk about this one is is not one of those this is a good thing to talk about the drug recovery court uh which i i think is, is fabulous i i know so many people who have struggled with drugs and alcohol i've been one of them 
just quickly give me, give me the your mission statement and your your approach with and 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 really how does drug recovery court work? Yep. So so drug recovery court is is what we call in Tennessee in the country a specialty treatment court. So they originally we call them recovery courts. Uh, one of the reasons is that we a lot of the research shows language is so important, particularly language that we use in this kind of uh, trauma informed language is just very in, important for individuals with severe substance use uh, disorder. And so uh, recovery courts how how we call them. But, but they start, everyone knows them as drug courts, and they started in the, in the late 80s in, in Miami to really to try to do something different with the crack cocaine epidemic that was just spiraling out of control. And so, so with that— And that was a recovery-based so kind of a, thing, even, even back then. So it was a drug court. It was, they decided that the prosecutor and the defense attorneys and the county and the police officers and the judiciary all decided to get together and say, like, we got to do something different. All right, we got to try for these individuals. These are nonviolent individuals— that have severe substance use issues. A, a lot of them have no resources for treatment. They're in and out of the system time after time. And we sure as hell don't need to keep time. them holed up in a cell. Uh, if, if anything, they might even have access to, you know, as we know, to, to drugs in, in custody. And so they're, they're getting out and they're just, they're wreaking havoc on their, their own bodies, their families, and the public at large. And we're just going to send them out and let them keep doing the same thing. So they came up with the, the first drug court in 89 in Miami. And, and since then, there's accrediting body, uh, All Rise, and, and there is just decades of research now. So best practices. So th- there, there's not a lot of areas that have so much uh, research and have so many trainings. And, and so drug courts are, are one of those. And so Tennessee, we passed the Drug Court Treatment Act back in 2003. And so Hamilton County actually has one of the oldest drug courts, recovery courts in the state. When we back Rebecca Stern and uh, Dr. Familiar, Lane Kelly yeah, uh, yeah. started uh, the first kind of, I think they applied for a federal grant and then before the state money kicked in. So so we've had a long-standing felony recovery court, one of the oldest ones. And so so I, I didn't start my program from scratch. We kind of had a, a, an infrastructure in place. Tom Greenholtz stepped in and was appointed to replace Judge Stern. He ran that recovery court program, and he was one of my mentors at Chambliss. He came to me one day with Dr. Elaine Kelly, who was the program coordinator, and they said, what if we're getting folks after they built a large felony record. What if we tried to intervene a little bit sooner in somebody's criminal record and also their substance use? What if we tried to get individuals? They're still very high risk of reoffending, high need of treatment, but they just haven't built that felony record to, to be eligible for felony drug court. What if you, would you be interested in starting that general sessions track? And I said, absolutely. I personally uh, had a had a father who's uh, I think close to 10 years uh, sober, but severe alcohol, uh, alcoholic and, and grew up, but also person that I more of a brother than a biological cousin. Our moms are identical twins. And so, okay. uh, you know, they're actually both coming up. My, my mom and my godmother are coming up this weekend to help me knock on doors. Uh, cool. and, and, but, but they, um, they both had sons the same age and daughters the same age, and we kind of grew up as a as one family. Well, well, Justin in two thousand eight passed away of, of an oxycotton overdose, and so I I, I kind of think of him and, and and the experience. And I'm not alone. I mean, everybody substance use disorder does not discriminate on socioeconomic, race, gender. I mean, everyone knows somebody, if not themselves personally, that struggled. Uh, with, with, I mean, with addiction, and so it's one of those areas. My list I, goes on and it's, on it's, it's and just, on. You know, and it's one of those. Um, and, and so the great part about drug courts too is that 
it, it's kind of one of the few bipartisan success stories. I mean, this my program started my track. I had a uh, applied for and received a federal Department of Justice grant, and at that time was the the Trump administration, supplemented by state funding to support the felony program. But then the county commission comes in, and they see the recidivism rate success. They see the cost savings and actual hard costs on keeping someone out of Silverdale and treating them here. They see the follow the, the money, the, dummy. The, 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 the cost that you can't really capture when I have a graduate that starts his own HVAC business, purchasing their first homes. I mean, that's those are those are tax paying productive members of society mm-hmm. they're having sober babies that otherwise would have probably you know continued uh, generational substance use if mm-hmm. not for the program so these are these are I can't even put a number on it you know so 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 county commission they allow our clinicians and our staff to be county employees we get money from the state we apply, we reapply for a federal grant under the Biden administration and received another grant and so so again it's one of these areas where everyone on every layer of government from local on up to, to every party can all agree this works. And so I, I love this program. It is a very intense program. So what Recovery Court is, folks come out of Silverdale, they're immediately in treatment. If they're appropriate for inpatient, they may go to inpatient. Something like CADIS or something like so that? It, it could be CADIS. It could be um, Buffalo Valley. It can be if there's insurance. Obviously, a lot more options. Mm-hmm. A lot of times there's not. There's not um, going to be insurance and, in most of these and, cases. And, and so, but then we actually, we have four in-house county clinicians. So we do our own IOP. So these individuals, after inpatient, they're with us every day, individual counseling, group therapy, IOP. They're having group four times a week. They're seeing their case manager every day. They're getting drug tested every day. They're dealing with the prosecutor, defense attorney. IOP is inpatient out or, or what, what is it? Intensive outpatient. Intensive so, outpatient, so that's it, right. It is, um, and we also have a special sort of curriculum. So this is evidence-based treatment. But but the crux of this of our treatment is my participants have such, they, they've, bec- they've become perfectionists in in their criminal and addictive thinking all right you we literally have to help them relearn how to think I mean, they've they've lied, cheated, stolen their whole life to survive. Mm-hmm. All right. So when you want to talk about somebody that you think can do X, Y, or Z, that this person can't stop using immediately. They can't have a budget immediately. They never learn these tasks. So we literally have to reteach them how to think at a very basic level before we can start expecting them to do more. And so with Recovery Court, it's it's a it's a series of of sanctions and incentives. But you don't go to jail even for using. You go to jail if you lie to me. Or if you don't show up at treatment tomorrow at 8 a.m., because I know back in your active use, if the dope man was there at 8 a.m., you would have been there at 8 a.m. But so I know you can do a couple things. You can show up on time and you can try to tell the truth. Even telling the truth is tough for somebody with. with, I mean, drug addicts are some of the biggest liars because that's what their entire life is, is revolved and designed around. And, and I completely understand where you're coming from. We could, we could do an hour on the drug court. Um, (laughs) But but, but 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 ultimately though I will just say the the, the cost savings it costs about seventy nine dollars a day to house someone at Silverdale it costs someone twenty nine dollars a day to, to treat them with my program it you know my my recidiv- the national recidivism rate seventy percent seventy percent that's pretty high national recidivism rate my recidivism rate right now my graduates is fifteen one five percent so if you graduate this program you have built the long, the the ability to to build sober time but also to 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 be, become a, a productive active member in your family a lot of moms and dads have gotten their kids back in my program so it's just an it's just amazing it's one of the best things if you ever want to come uh, Brian or anyone or your listeners they can come to a recovery court graduation it's one of the best things you'll ever I see. absolutely would love to do that and and um, just to, to to speak to that from a personal uh, level since we just happen to be at this exact moment and I'm 
not fishing for a, a congratulations or an anything like that, but I am um, one year sober as we record this. Wow. Tomorrow. That's amazing. And so, um, and, and, and my biggest vice is alcohol. Mm-hmm. I've, I've dabbled in things my whole life. Yep. I mean, outside of a needle, ain't much I didn't say okay to yep. at some point in my life. Mm-hmm. Now I didn't become an addict. But but uh, alcoholism is a big problem. Has been a big problem, and and I I learned in a facility a, a year ago. I was in there for a month with. The, I was trying to. That's why I couldn't remember the IOP. And with a little IOP mm-hmm. as well, a week of of that and thirty days total. I, I'm fascinated with human behavior. I'm fast. That's why I liked watching the court. I liked watching the court work. I'm fascinated with the way uh, structure of any kind that I'm not familiar with works. And so just as much as I was in there trying to dry out and, you know, medically uh, assisted drying out, I was also watching a bunch of people who I was like, Jesus, I'm doing better than them. And because this wasn't just a bunch of alcoholics. This was this was uh, opioids. This was, uh, you know, just name it. it. It didn't get too much into the. I hate to be to say junky, but I mean, like it didn't get much harder than pills, alcohol, reckless behavior, that kind of stuff. And it, it, the entire process was a rewiring of your mind, of your brain. That's what they're, that's at least what they're trying to do. And it's hard to understand that at first. And once you do, it really does work. If you follow the plan if you're just waiting for it to end, then you're wasting a bunch of time. That leads me to wonder, do you, you're, surely you're going to run into some of that. Oh, yeah. Somebody who thinks, oh, this is a, a get-out-of-jail-free well, card. No, I mean, honestly, a lot of folks, I, I ask them early on why recovery court, if they don't say to get out of jail, then I think they're lying. Because that is the answer. Well, of course. Because, because, but, but because, again, these individuals, and one, it is a big deal. A year is a big deal. Um, and, and so congratulations well, thank you. on that. It, but, it is, um, but these individuals, too, their only other option is th- they have such a rap sheet. This isn't somebody that you could send to one uh, inpatient stint and they would get. I mean, these are folks that have such a high risk of reoffending and a high need of treatment that, that, that literally this is the only other option. And so they're either going to jail for three years on three 1129s uh, consecutive or they're going to do this. So it's the carrot and the stick model. So I know it's that authority piece that, that's driving early on. But as they progress through the program and the phases and they gain more skills, uh, they might be faking it at first, which I'll take it. You can fake it as much as you want, but if you show up, at least I have your ear for, you know, my clinicians sure. have your ear. So they might be doing it. Fake but, it till you make but, it. But, but eventually there's a change. And, and these individuals, when they're graduating, they're not just checking boxes. I mean, they are, they are truly, the, the, the work is that intense. And, and not only are they in, in treatment every day with us, but, but they're also employed usually within two weeks. I mean, we fill up every second of their day. I mean, are you a talking a lot structured. of different age groups or mostly young people? So I'm dealing with younger folks, but it, it's, of all, it's all age groups. Uh, it, it really, it's all age groups. But the, the point of, of the general sessions track was to try to intervene a little bit sooner. So we do have a lot of younger folks and, and who haven't built up that felony record to be to be eligible for the felony track. But um, but but we have different different sorts of groups. Some people don't do well in, in groups, and we have to have strict, you know, um, you know, intense individual therapy with this particular individual. But 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 again, it's a it's a, a series of sanctions and incentives. You know, jail sanction is used, but it's not. I don't throw someone in jail for a week just because they were late to, to treatment. No, I mean, there, there's, there are other sanctions that you use that actually correspond to, 
to help change the behavior. All right, it's all about behavior changing, and 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 and, and that's ways part that of the rewiring. Exactly, of the brain. and 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 simply throwing somebody in custody doesn't always do that for somebody with 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 severe substance use disorder. If anything, a lot of some of my individuals prefer to sit in jail overnight than to do to pick up trash on the side of the road for two days. So the the more severe takes all might kinds, be. man. So, takes so, all kinds. Alex. So, so again, it's it's again that's where that best practices come in. That's where the evidence based research comes in on how to to respond and and also I have to use a lot of incentives I have to compliment somebody you know tell somebody that's never had an individual in their life say they're proud of them tell them that they're proud of them they remember that moment it helps push them yeah. uh, they, they we have a board every day of the stars of the week as, as corny as it might sound I have people that come take photographs of the star of the week because they see their name up there they've never seen their name on any board in their life yeah you know? so that's so, real that's real stuff yeah. and and I, I've experienced that in in treatment myself of I I've come from a background of privilege I'm not uh, embarrassed of that I'm not afraid to talk about it I don't think it's a bad word. I don't think it's a bad terminology. Some people, you know, really like, oh, you know what I mean? In, in, in the world of social media and all that, I don't think that it is. I, but that doesn't mean, you know, everything's going to work out well for you. And so I would see people who did get really excited about some some smaller stuff. And I would after a couple of weeks, you know, you're kind of zoned out anyway. And you're just kind of trying to keep up and everything. I'd be like, wow, that really uh, to me, that means, you know nothing the fact that i haven't had a drink for two weeks is like all that matters yep. but i see exactly what you were just speaking of things that they're i mean i'm talking i was with a lot of people many of them that were very difficult to be around a few that it were that i enjoyed their presence a lot but it was it was like it doesn't feel like we're from the same planet oh, yeah. and and we're seemingly trying to get to the same place but i'm not sure mm -hmm. so i under i understand it just to that level and i also i question when i first heard like how could how successful could this be who's going to take advantage of this guy again before meeting you and knowing you but drug abusers alcohol and drug abusers are liars nope. they are liars and that's in the treatment center. We dealt with that on a daily basis where I was like, you can't trust any of these people. That's one thing. At least I, I mean, I went, I went in on my own yep. with a focus of this is what I've got to do. And I was at a uh, private facility with my insurance. It was not a court appointed. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't, there was some people that were able to stay out of court because of it, but it wasn't Cadis. Yep. It wasn't state sponsored. So that I'm not trying to knock on that, but it, it wasn't a little bit, a better environment for me. But I, when I heard about your, your program, I thought that ain't gonna work. <laughs> no, but, no but, but, but believe me, I, I, I don't, I don't trust the participants, but, but they also don't trust me. They have never had a good they, interaction. They with have the no, judge. they have no they reason have never to trust a good So, so it's all about building that relationship to where, you know, and, and again, we'll, we'll have folks typically, I think I can't, I don't know the actual statistics, but oftentimes if, some, if we do lose somebody in the program, a lot of times they're absconding fairly early in the program before they've actually given it a chance. And, and really, even if they, end up running or leaving uh they'll even we'll even let them back in because again the thought is we're, we're into behavior changing we're thinking you know thinking their, their thinking patterns thinking distortions their core beliefs especially the bad core beliefs we have to try to at least give a shot to change those so if if somebody gets rearrested and they never really got to give the program a shot it might be if they're assessed that they actually could we'd give them another try now, now somebody that's in the program for years and and it, and it doesn't work and and you know they you know, and they're just wasting your resources but, but, and time. But but, but but again, I feel like at, there's there's it's a it's a two year program or eight 
18-month to two-year program. At one point along the way, it might be somebody is, is box-checking or faking it or just doing it, but eventually, five phases, eventually, all of a sudden, something does click. And it, it's amazing to see that in real time, see the progress somebody makes, uh, see them opening up in, in court with me, see them opening up with their case manager. You know, I see them every week uh, on, on Mondays. It's in addition to my day job. It's, I don't, this isn't, this is a voluntary program. So I do this on Monday afternoons and, and early evenings. Same with Judge Dunn on the felony side. She, she was, took Judge Greenholtz's place, but we work together in tandem. We have one program coordinator and we kind of share case managers, treatment providers. And so there's two different tracks, a misdemeanor and a felony track. And Judge Dunn has done an amazing job as well. So we, um, but but this is in addition to her day day job. I mean, we're not getting paid any extra to do this. So, so if you <laughs> if you win this this seat for circuit court, you that you will continue this, or so, is this something you'll have to so, pass so, off? So so I, th- this is not there. There's no campaign. I'm not using this as a camp. I, I'm I would lo- I'm, I'm going to love to try to stay involved in recovery court, however I can, and if that means continuing to preside, if it means helping someone else, you know, I just I I, I can't. I don't really know. I, I can't. I'm not promising or campaigning. It, it means too much much to use drug court as any sort of campaign platform it means I understand too much that. to me but also it's one of those things is that's, hopefully and that's this admirable. program hopefully this program is is in a place that i've helped make it a better program and, and so who knows i mean and, and again we have a great program director shannon morgan she has uh she's in recovery herself she's dealt with drug courts in in georgia she's dealt all over you know she has an amazing story to where you know she is she's leading the ship you know judge dunn and i are you know she's she's kind of she leads us uh, often and so the three of us kind of help supervise this team of close to 20 participants we have cpd officers that are there that they literally are doing welfare checks on people they're a part of the team they know what's going on they oftentimes refer people into the program because they know who the the repeat users are that really do need some help and so we'll have cpd officers narcotic officers folks like detective terry topping who's, who's just he's amazing and he he responds to all the overdoses in our community but he also refers people into the program and so we will get you know we have cpd we have uh, sheriff's deputies we have prosecutors defense attorneys we all get together every monday in a staff to discuss these individuals, we see them, but then that's what the rest of the week, the case managers, treatment providers, you know, their GPS monitors, everyone is, is really working together. It's not a typical court proceeding. It's non-adversarial. The defense attorney and the prosecutor are literally there trying to think of what's best, how do we best respond to this infraction or this behavior, how, what's best going to help this person change. So we're all working together. It's truly a remarkable program. There, there are other treatment courts out there. So there's a mental health court, the, the county and and some some of my colleagues, Judge Starnes and Judge Patterson, are trying to start a veterans court. Veterans suffer from a lot of co-occurring mental health and yeah, drug issues. Yeah, no, those are things I know very little it, it, about, and, and they're very very sad and difficult yeah. on their own on their own yeah. um, you know level. We're trying to start one of those, and then also there's some safe baby courts. There's juvenile drug court. There's uh, sex trafficking courts in Nashville. So so the the, the thought of a treatment court is just a, a your non-adversarial kind of. You know, you special. You you're, you are targeting a population with how do you respond? To try well, to lock them up and throw away the key. I mean, most of us agree is just that we're done. I mean, that used to be kind of something that you know people kind of said, ah, lock them up and throw away. They're 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 this bad guy, and you know that's just not working for our economy. That's not working for our you know judicial system from top to bottom. It's just not good for anybody. Uh, so let let's transition here. I want to wrap things up here in in, in just a few the. Three more things I want to get to. And the simple question is, almost bewilderment of it to me, is why are these partisan 
races for judge. Make it make sense to me, Alex, running for circuit court. Make it make sense to me why it may why it, it is important or pertinent in any way that you are or are not a Republican or Democrat as a judge based on some of the things you've already said and some of the things I'll probably eventually say as we get into this. Make it make sense to me. So, so I'll start by saying my current position is nonpartisan. Uh, and so a county judge uh, here in Hamilton County, we are nonpartisan. But that's not all General Sessions judges. It goes by court by court uh and and folks can that's a whole other question how do they decide whether they're gonna be so, or not so, so locally uh we there we have uh, our county commission and and you know we passed a, a a local act here the legislature affirmed it back in some decades ago that that allowed us to be nonpartisan. some county general sessions courts are partisan a lot of local a lot of your local positions you know it used to be school board, but now that's changing. It's, but a lot of your local positions ugh, have historically sick. been nonpartisan. The city is still teams. nonpartisan. The city's nonpartisan, and General Sessions Court and uh, in, in city court has been nonpartisan. Now, state level, uh, it also is somewhat confusing because it, it, it differs by judicial districts. There are some judicial districts that had been state-level judges nonpartisan, but for the most part in Tennessee, our state judges are partisan. Uh, and so you run in a, a, a primary, either, either as a Republican or Democrat, but to your point, yeah, it's simplify it. it simplify it. You know, somebody, uh, Senator Gardenhire has actually passed, uh, he's actually sponsored legislation in the past to make all judgeships nonpartisan. I think, I mean, um, to me, I believe it is borderline criminal to have affiliated party pos- yeah. affiliations in that high of a position. When I see that, I think, blah, yeah. no way. And if I didn't know the people that are that that are support you and I didn't know about drug court, guess who I wouldn't think about voting for? Yeah. You. Well, and, and, because and again, for an unfair wrong reason. Yeah. And, that's and, not that's not how this should go down if you're talking to me, a host of a podcast <laughs> that dozens of people listen to. Well, uh, this is where I'm, you know, I'm going to be the this is not a political answer, but Ultimately, the legislature has has decided, uh, or, or or local legislators with respect to judi- some judicial districts that are nonpartisan, is that that to, to make them partisan. I am not. I do not believe judges should be inserting their own personal opinions and beliefs as to the laws that the legislature passes. But I, they I, do. And, and and so and so, I'm going to say this. I'm not going to question. You know, it's the law. And I mean, I'm, you can only play by the game in I'm which a big you're believer, given. Exactly. And so now I'm not I, hating will, the player. I'm hating will, the game. What I will say this, what I will say is this. Tennessee is, has an interesting way to select judges. There are a lot of different methods out there. And this is, again, we could go on. For I that. know I wanted uh, to get so, to appointees so, versus and, elected and, 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 and we so, don't have time and, for all that. And so uh, I will say, though, um, that that we have a a kind of a hybrid system that, again, not opining because I'm I'm not a, an activist judge. So I'm not going to opine on the efficacy or, or the of the of our system, but I do think t- Tennessee's system is 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 pretty decent because one we have a kind of a hybrid appointment election. So if there's a vacancy, typically a body will interview folks. A governor or a county body will appoint that person for a temporary judgeship, and then the the voters have a say in in, in usually a special election a couple years later. So we have to have we kind of have an appointment slash election process. We also have for our Court of Appeals and our Supreme Court, unlike a place like Alabama where the Chief Justice is running every four years in a partisan primary, we don't have those here. So our higher level court 
sports, they run either to retain or replace. So you don't get some of the politics. Oh, and by the way, we have eight-year terms, which, which I think is important because your judges aren't always campaigning. You know, they're not having to be political creatures as much. And so, you know, I'm sure there's some downsides to eight-year terms, but also it keeps now, your judges If you don't like them, there. they're there a while. Yeah, but so, yeah. So, so again, we kind of have our system to where if you're going to have elected judgeships, ours isn't that bad. Now, when it comes to the elections, even though the legislature has their say on, on the, 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 how they're partisan or not, the Supreme Court has been very, very strict in the court rules about how judges and judicial candidates can actually campaign. We are not like other political folks, all right? It is not our job to insert our personal beliefs, certain values, certain things that we're going to do, because we cannot preview, if you have an opinion on a case that might be in front of you, if you campaign on a certain position, you have to recuse yourself, because you have campaigned, you've made up your mind. So the Supreme Court has a code of judicial conduct that I try my hardest to adhere to, because one, I can be disciplined. If if you see me with a, a Nikki Haley or a Joe Biden, or Donald Trump sticker, I am promoting a non-judicial candidate. I can be disciplined by the Supreme Court. Okay, so they well, have that's a good very, to know. Very strict, I didn't. So yeah, so I didn't know that. But here's yeah. what I do know: yeah. when I see former Sheriff Jim Hammond is one of your uh, endorsers, hey, I know Jim Hammond. I know what Jim Hammond, what his ideal ideologically is. I know what he believes in. I know all of it, and um, I don't like a lot of it. And um, so, you so, know, so, but, if, but, if that's yeah. all I knew, if that's all the information yeah. I had, to me, that's unfair to the to the election process. Yeah. To me, that's unfair to you. It's good for you. For you, you want an endorsement from yeah. somebody who's an. I'm not saying Jim Hammond is yeah. not an upstanding <laughs> citizen. I just wasn't a fan of him yeah. as a sheriff, and I and I don't. I have not been a fan of his political loud political views post his uh, service that he is that he has had and that he's been removed them from that from or he retired some time ago if I'm not mistaken but I don't think that that's fair to the process yeah. and in my endorsements I think I've, I've been proud to have the union organizations for the police officers the firefighters people like Sheriff Hammond and other judges they've typically they have endorsed me under the with the understanding that we've seen this guy as a judge He's fair. He applies. Sure, and I don't mean to call out Jim Hammond. It's just I know of him. Like you've got other endorsers. I've no. I don't know who they are. So, so your but 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 your point is, if somebody that's maybe uninformed, they're going to go vote just on the politics of it all because they love good old Jim Hammond. So, so, so so that's why it's just so important, and it's it's almost. I mean, believe and down ballot voting, as they call it. I mean, that's a thing. it's, It's tough. So it's tough for me now. All judicial candidates, whether you are a judge or not, are held to the same code of judicial conduct. It's Supreme Court Rule 10, Canon 4. It says that I cannot campaign in in a way that would make a reasonable person believe that if they come before me. So let's say you have somebody, you're not going to hear me talk campaign on issues like, you know, um, parental rights. Because ultimately, what if DCS wants to file a petition in circuit court to terminate someone's parental rights because this person is, is hooked on fentanyl and the child actually needs to be removed from the family? So you're not going to hear me campaign in a way that's going to make a potential litigant think that my made, my mind is made up. You're not going to hear me use my faith. You're not going to hear me use my my past, maybe political history in my campaign because it's so important that everybody, that everyone that might come in front of you knows that I have a shot with this judge. You you think of the, the confidence in the judiciary is at an all-time low. And that's yes. oftentimes because across yes, the country, is. across the country, people think 
that the, the decision's already made. So our Supreme Court has been very, very intentional. Yeah, hashtag to, ignore the court is a it, it's, it, is but, prevalent. But, but, but that is why our Supreme Court has is in our the Board of Judicial Conduct and the Disciplinary Council. They're always watching. I mean, before I, I sent my commercial, put my commercial on TV, I made sure that that the, the Disciplinary Council saw it and said and proved it because again. You want the public uh, perceptions almost as important as reality. Yeah, you want the you want the public to perceive that this guy or gal, you're going to get a fair shot. He's not pushing his politics on you. He's not pushing uh, his you know certain certain positions, anything that might be in front of him in his court. You know, I had somebody ask me uh, when I door knocked. They said they want to know my position uh, on something if it was in front of me. It's just a hypothetical. Tell me what you would do. I said if I tell you what I would do, then I would have to recuse myself because I am telling you. I've already made up my mind before the facts and the expert and the laws in front of me. And so See, I take it very- convolutes it all right. There is what I'm saying <laughs> is because that person you're talking to doesn't know yeah. any of this. So day. it makes it tough. It makes I, I will say this. I'm not going to I'm not going to give my opinion on my belief about the system because it is what it is. But I will say it makes it so hard. I bet. It makes it very, very hard, particularly um, it, it makes it. Tough. We can leave it right there, yeah. but it, 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 it that no. that frustrates yeah. frustrates me. So, to no so, end. All, so I, I try to campaign on my experience, my my knowledge of the law, my work ethic, transparency, modernization of the court. So those are the things that the Supreme Court says is okay to campaign on. So that's what I do. Now, not everybody does that. And so. two more things yeah. here, and then a little silly little th- th- thing maybe here for a minute as we wrap things up um, with uh, Alex uh, McVeigh. Um, uh, let that, that, uh, where do I want to go here? Um, I want to talk about the bona fide voting law. We'll do that last. <laughs> Let's start here first with, with this from uh, Sophia's uh, Times Free Press. Judicial candidates discuss religion. And this, we're, it's basically the same thing we were just talking yeah. about when it comes to political affiliations and religious beliefs. Ugh, like nobody ever wants to talk about that kind of stuff. I am a, uh, I'm not a strong atheist because that's a strong belief or I'm not an atheist at all because that's a, that's a belief system. Yep. Right. And, and I, I don't have that belief system. Agnostic is the easy way out. Mm-hmm. The, you know, often is a joke, you know, I got, don't got a thought on anything, you know, whatever. And anybody who I am um, potentially going to support if it's a, it's a deal breaker. Yep. It is a deal breaker breaker for me and so this was from the uh, Hamilton County Church voter guide that was released by a few people were were behind it uh, with sponsors one of them being Chattanooga's Cavalry Chapel now I'm not going to hate on them too much except for I will say this one thing that I saw this video that they posted on the co-founder of the church she is a women's ministry director I don't have her name and it was a video for a upcoming, I don't know if it was a short film, a long film, but some kind of film that was produced by the Epoch Times. If you're not familiar with the Epoch Times, it is a, I believe, a complete propaganda, far right-wing machine disguised as a legitimate news organization. They have been banned from YouTube, they've been banned from Facebook, they've been banned, which would mean Instagram as well, from advertising. Now, I know what the others are gonna come at me and say. Censorship, Brian. Oh, the liberal Silicon Valley trying to censor, whatever, shut up guys, I'm not talking to you. Point is, I've I've researched this supposed news organization years ago. And so when I first saw this, I thought, I mean, okay, 
I know what I'm dealing with with the Chattanooga Cavalry Chapel. All that is just more commentary than anything. So the question was, and there was many of them, and the one I highlighted, and I liked your answer. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to let you just respond. I'm going to give you your your opponent's response. And it's Michelle Kaufman. Not here to talk about her. I don't know who she is. I don't care who she is. I'm voting for you. And that's and and before about uh, two months ago, who you want to be judge of circle court? I don't care. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. I don't really mean that, but I do. You know what, you know what I mean? Uh, like you're, not, you're not the only one. I always vote, but early, I don't know uh, what early, early voting's at an all-time low of course right now. It so is. It, and, and, and March 5th is going to be pretty damn low, too. Uh, unfortunately, that's just the truth. Um, but it says, moral values. Should governmental laws, ordinances, regulations, etc. follow the moral principles of the Ten Commandments? Why or why not? It says, Kaufman, yes. I believe the general moral principles of the Ten Commandments of goodness and to do no harm should be the basis of governmental law, ordinances, or regulations. And while I don't disagree that the Ten Commandments are a good basis for being a good dude or a good gal, I don't want the Ten Commandments hanging at the City Hall. I don't want the Ten Commandments at Eastridge Public High School. I, I am that guy. I'm the guy the Christians look at and say, God, you son of a, you know, like they're the one, they, they get mad at me. And, I, but I have gone so far to that side. I, it is a deal breaker for me. I know you're, um, I see it. I watch your socials. I follow all your socials. I know that your uh, Christianity is your belief. Your faith is important to you. You've already kind of alluded to it, if not specifically said it on this discussion today. Your response, not to what she said. I don't think there needs to be any response. That's very clear. She she is totally fine with biblical belief systems being involved in the way she makes decisions. If that's not what that says and I read it, then I'm not understanding English. Your thoughts and that, and just your thoughts on that, and I won't yeah. even have any more. No, to say. And, and 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 again, I, I've I've answered. Yeah, you know, I, I answer questions if the from the police officers sent us written questions. Uh, the 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 League of of Church Voters. I mean, I I, I talk to anybody, and and I'll so I, again, I, I I will answer questions for anybody, and that's what I've done, including the free press and, and others. And so my, my answer. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not hating on anybody for doing that. I'm just yeah, yeah. I just no, wanted to give that well, one well, little caveat. Yeah, I mean, to them. A, again, my point is. And I think I said it earlier. People can can research about my history, about my um, my, my faith. I mean, I, I I'm not going to be using my faith as a, a political ploy. First of all, people can research about uh, about me as a person, my, my my politics, my political background. All that to be said, and I think I answered this with the, that survey. That is not the role of a judge. It is not my place to be an activist judge. And to put forward or to uh, to promote any sorts of laws. I mean, we think about it. Think about the right and the left both complaining about judges who do just that. Mm-hmm. The, the the judge that doesn't like your way of thinking, who you believe is putting their own beliefs in front of the law. That is not how I believe. When I put that, and that robe goes on, beyond anything secular it, it, or non secular. I mean, it, it goes to my basic beliefs on the the intelligence of a certain a certain policy that has nothing to do with with religious belief. That that's not my place. I don't think you should have judges because it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope to to start getting involved into you know as soon as that the question was talking about should our laws 
in ordinances be? That is not a judge's decision. No. That is for Bo Watson. That is for that is for Patsy Hazelwood. That is for Todd Gardenhire. That is for Yusuf Hakeem. That's for Tim Kelly. That's for Governor Lee. Your judges need to stay out of the business of politics. We have too many, in my opinion, humbly, political judges in this country. And and I and I think that a judge should apply the facts to the law as it's written. If a law is unconstitutional, that's a different thing. I and mean, judges do have to step in from time to time to strike down a law. But for the most part, my job is to apply the law as it's written, regardless of, of, of what the underlying principles are. And, well, and, and there are certain legal tests. I mean, I think one of the questions was, a, a, or maybe this was a I didn't a read press. it. I stopped at the beginning. I, I think there was a free press question about, um, you know, separation of church and state. And, like, there's an well, establishment that's what, clause. That's what we're talking well, about. Well, and, but there's, a, there's an establishment clause test from the United States Supreme Court and Tennessee Constitution or something, I would have to apply that test to see if it violates the Establishment Clause or to see if it violates, I think it's Article 1, Section 3 of the Tennessee Constitution, the separation of We're church and state. We're getting dangerously so, so close again, to theocracy there, there in is, this country, that, that, but, but there are legal tests that I would have to apply to see if a yeah. law was, in fact, unconstitutional. I'm just so, making a, a wide-sweeping so, generalization. We're well, getting dangerously close so, to theocracy. So, I, so I, I, will, I will say this. I'm, I'm not going to opine about anything that might come in front of me, but what, what you will, if you're a litigant, of any faith or no faith, if you're a litigant of any political persuasion, what, what I hope is that folks know when they come in front of me what you have. You have a book nerd up there that's going to research that law and the precedent and is going to apply the facts to the law fairly, consistently, regardless of the person in front of me. I think that's what I've made. I've, I've based my campaign on. It's to, it's to make sure that folks know that this guy is somebody who, who, you can, who you can trust, who's been proven, who's been tested. You know, there's a reason that the Bar Association ranked me as one of the top judges in the community. And believe me, there are just as many Democrats as Republicans in the bar, as lawyers in our community. And it's because I, I think that they feel like I'm somebody with the temperament and with the work ethic and with the kind of judicial philosophy that regardless of the case or litigant, they know they're going to get a fair shot. So I think that's what your judge should Well, should simplistically get. put, I've always thought the law is the law. Now, maybe adding the word simplicity and constitutional law is not a fair thing to do, but the law is the law. And it's, it's always boggled my mind when I look at more national stuff. You know, I'm not, I'm not looking at Hamilton County, what's going on on a daily, weekly, or even yearly, potentially, basis. Last thing here, before just a little quick silliness on sure. the way out as we wrap things up. Thank you for your extended time. I asked for about an hour, and we're about uh, an hour and a half at this point, and that's fine. That's what this show's for. This bona fide voting law, all right? I, again, I, I know that you don't – opining is not what you're, uh, what you're doing here uh, generally, but – You want me to opine. Well, <laughs> I want you to just speak to it yeah. because if, if this law, if I were to be followed, I am a registered – I guess I'm a registered Democrat. You're, you're, I, not, you're not registered. We don't have party registration. You do, there is not party registration. There's no party registration. Well, then what – that makes this even so, worse. So I, I cannot – So <laughs> I, I forgot. I, I just – I, I registered to vote 20 years ago. No, no, I didn't there's, remember. There's no party registra registration. Again, I will – I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you uh, frustrated. I, in the event this case is brought in front of me, either a challenge to this law or a challenge to the way it's implemented, 
Because uh, these or, doofuses running for mayor already tried it well, once, not long, just like two years ago. Well, well I, I can't give you my opinion on it because I might have to be on the bench. Sure, okay. It, 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 talking, you know, given, you know, ultimately ruling on the issues. But, but I will say, there's no party registration in the law as as I read it. So I, you I can pick any ballot you want, no matter what that I'm, stupid sign I'm, I'm says. Not, I'm not going to say that. I'm saying that. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying you can pick whichever one. I'm going no. to pick whichever one. And there was a, and I I couldn't find the damn thing. Uh, there was a front page on the TF the other day where and i'm i'm critical of the womps but i have been i'm also i give them the uh, applause when they deserve it da cody uh womp had said we're not we're not prosecuting this no and, I, I i can't i can't speak to again the, the law uh, you know as, as it's currently written i think it's it's uh, if you're not a bona fide yeah. member of yeah. the party which nobody even knows what so, that means? So I, I will encourage folks uh, when they are going to the polls uh, to research uh, the law and to vote accordingly. That's all I can say to you, Brian. Okay, I, that's fine. I, I, am, I am sorry. That's fine. And and I and I knew that's what we were where we're going. I just I, more than anything, I just I couldn't not yeah. bring it up because it frustrates me beyond belief. But anyway, we'll leave that one alone. Quickly, the best ever uh, questions here as we celebrate the best things ever. All right. Real quick, only the first thing that comes to your head, I would have gotten it to you earlier, Judge McVeigh, the best show ever. Could be a right. concert. So so, 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 really quick. I, I have to, and honestly, I'm, I'm not just. Uh, you saying you this. can't recuse no, 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 yourself no, so, from so, this one. So, I, as a judge, I just want this to be clear. I cannot promote businesses or fundraise. So, this, these are not any sort of promotion. These are just sure. historical views about they're about your, this. <laughs> they're your favorite things. My, my, my favorite things. I, so, I, I will say the show that um, I'd say I never knew a lawyer. One lawyer I did know, and I actually got to meet the guy, uh, Bobby Lee Cook, who is based off of, that, that I did get to see a lawyer in action was Matlock growing up. Uh, Andy Griffith, uh, you know, the Mr. Mr. Uh, Matlock. I Andy did, Griffith, I, all right. I, I did get to, to watch Matlock, and, and I guess my, the early uh, se- you know, seedlings of me being a lawyer might have started watching Matlock. So Lock. we'll put that in TV show. Right. What about best, like, music performance, any best, kind best, of... Best concerts. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give concert, you a, a couple. Best Festival. It could be sure. anything. Okay, there's no wrong um, answers. Been here. To, I've been to Bonnaroo uh, once. Nice. Got to see what year? Um, 2008. So you went when uh, Pearl Jam was Pearl there. Pearl Jam was there. So yep. it was up there. And was that the year Metallica was yes, there as well? Yes, Metallica so, was there Friday. Um, so uh, it rained a lot. Uh, it rained a lot. Uh, I think uh, Kanye Chris West. Chris Rock was there that Kanye year. West Kanye West. Kanye West started at like 5 in the I, morning. I, I, made, I made it to 5, but I didn't make it to the end of his show. I, I, will, th- I will say there are a couple local uh, uh, artists, local to me listening to and one I got to see in the Ryman uh, was Johnny Lang uh, he was a blues artist I oh, think he does yeah. a little bit of Christian lie music now uh, but I got to hear him sing lie to me into into the uh, at, at the Ryman and that was a pretty pretty awesome show well just real quick here on mine best show ever Pearl Jam Rue 08 Wow. So and I don't know if that's yeah. right that's just what I wrote down today uh, best movie you ever seen what, what's your favorite movie I love the. I, I don't watch many, the, so I don't the, have a good u- answer. Usual, usual suspects. One that kind of sticks out uh, uh, as as one that I 
I particularly liked. Fugitive, Shawshank Redemption, Back to the Future. Right. One of those, if they're on, I'll always watch them kind of deals. My favorite band ever is Pearl Jam. I, I will say the very first cassette I ever got. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I am I am younger. Uh, so cassettes, the very first cassette oh, was was uh, was Aerosmith. Uh, Janie got a gun. Good so old Aerosmith. Aerosmith's up there for me. Um, and I don't watch a lot of movies, so I didn't even I don't even know why I wrote actor and actress. I wrote Leo DiCaprio, Winona Ryder. Again, I'm worried from the same I'm, age. I'm, I'm saying uh, um, people I liked. Yeah, I'm saying Robin Williams. Uh, I feel like can't go somebody. wrong. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Final two quickly. Best movie, book, show, story <laughs> that has a judicial courtroom backdrop. <laughs> I will say uh, my cousin Vinny. My you, cousin you, can't, Vinny. you can't get better than talking about a crotchety old judge. My cousin Vinny. It's funny you say that, too, because when Rudy Giuliani said that once, I was on the radio then, and uh, we made fun of him the rest of the day. I was like, oh, wait, not 12 Angry Men there? I put a time to kill. Um, and John, anything John well, any, Grisham. Anything John Grisham, I think, so great movies as well. Yeah. I'm a, I'm and a uh, Grisham books. best thing about Chattanooga, what do you love about being here? I mean, I, I just besides there, everything, there, there, that's there all is I got. Nothing. Catch. I mean, being up on lookout or, or signal, and, and just the the, the the beauty, the the, the hiking, the, the the rivers, everything that we have. I also love being in a place that you know you got transplants, you got home like me, you got hometown people. I mean, truly, I can't think of a better place to to hopefully one day raise my family here. It's I absolutely love Chattanooga. Well, it is. Uh, it's been uh, a, a, a nice time talking to you, and I appreciate it. It is best in Brock that we have hosted us here at the. Uh, their conference room just to kind of make it a little bit more of a centralized location and yeah the brock families are everywhere on this thanks to lee for uh providing uh some of the funding that has helped me purchase the uh, uh the zoom machine here that is my portable studio so the lee at lindabrockhomes.com mobile studio and i pretty much got to everything and um i appreciate your time and uh your candor and um quickly on the dates again this i believe will be if you're listening to this the day it comes out like you do everything i do on the exact day that it comes out i know you're there 6 a.m first thing so that means the 27th of uh, february of is the end of early voting March 5th, am I, did I hear your campaign manager talk about right at the last time we were to gather that that is actually Super Tuesday? Super Tuesday. That's the National so, Super Tuesday. Super, National Super Tuesday. So I'm, I'm going to be on the ballot with, with Nikki Haley and Donald Trump and whoever else is, is left if, if, if she's still left <laughs> standing on I Super Tuesday. I think she'll make it that far um, and that'll be and, it. And so then there's, it will be, be my race and, and a lot of races are unopposed on this ballot. But again, local elections are important. I know a lot of folks, probably a lot of your listeners will will vote for the presidential, but local elections matter. Do, do your research. I, you know, I, I'm not just saying vote for me because, well, because you say vote for me or other, but, but do honestly do the, do your research on your two candidates and, and make, well, your, and make the good, pick. the good news is, is that I don't, there'll be a few new listeners to this, I would think because that would are already educated coming from people who know you and maybe a couple extras. I am lucky to have a very loyal and informed audience. And I talk local politics virtually every week. So if it's, if they're not, if they don't know much about local politics, I don't know what the hell they're listening to this for. So I think they will have a basic understanding. Well, sorry I could not talk more politics with you. No, I, well, I don't, well, I don't do it out of sheer fun. I do it out of necessity. Um, and, and I, and I'm not a hater just for sake of hating. I get, I mean, it was, uh, real quick as we wrap it up, there was the two things that made the most sense to me, and I, I kind of made this up after I heard this from um, uh, Better Call Saul, the show. Did you watch any of that stuff, Breaking Bad? 
that was on my favorite TV show list, Breaking Bad and Into Better Call Saul. And not to bore people that haven't seen the show, but uh, the main character's brother, he's on, it's not trial, but it's some kind of a deposition. And he said, and he says something along the lines of, the law is the greatest invention in, in American history. It is the pillar to our, to our democracy, to our, to our way, our way of life, what we know. It, it's the most important thing. I was like, that, that makes a lot of sense. I've always thought that way about the media. I think that the meat, because it was my love for my whole life, growing up as a teenager and getting into my twenties, I was all media, 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 media. Don't, don't, don't hate on the media. The media is not lying. You're lying, and I don't have trust in either of them anymore. And and I think they're equal. I think law and media, free media, and a and a, a just judicial system is what makes us great. Now, there's so many other things that make us great, but I do believe those two are, and I feel like they've both eroded. They've both eroded, and putting good people in those positions are what we need to be doing. Well, I, I couldn't agree more, and again, I think we need to be building up uh, the public's trust in the judiciary, and so if I, whatever part I can, I can play in that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work my tail off to do it. Alex, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you I, for having me. I appreciate it. We will call it Season 1, Episode 1, and it is now in the books. The weekly Chattanooga-centric news magazine-style podcast I do drops every Wednesday. And follow along on all social medias at Stone On Air. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon.